Now this morning, <clears throat> we begin what I believe is maybe the most important sermon series that I have, I have preached on in 30 years of ministry. Uh, it's, it's a series I've thought about preaching on many times, especially being at university campuses and being in the, in the city of Athens. But have not felt like it's quite the timing, but I do now. now let me explain to you why uh, I say this, why this, this series is so important. Uh, I've been a minister, as I said, for 30 short years, initially with uh, RUF, a campus minister at two different schools. Uh, and then I came in 1996 to plant a church here in Athens, which I think is one of the most progressive cities uh, in the southeast. I believe that, and, and I don't think that's a bad thing, necessarily. I think it's a good thing. That's why I'm here. I'm glad I'm here. But in these years, these 30 years from 1985, what I have seen is this seismic, cultural, intellectual, mega shift of three periods of thought. And, and the first was I saw the end of what we would call modernism. 1985 was when I started uh, the, the ministry. And, uh, and earlier in those years, in the early 80s, I was trained by professors who uh, fought against uh, modernism, scientism, uh, the Enlightenment thinking of uh, man is at the center and man is reasonable. But by the end of the 20th century, there had been more killing and murder done in the name of man's uh, reasoning and his desire to create a utopia, that we create a totalitarianism uh, and, and everything uh, that, that lent itself to us being exactly what the Bible teaches, and that is wicked people. Murdering each other. Slaughtering each other. And so a lot of people say, uh, in 1989, the year I went from Mississippi State to Vanderbilt, to be a, cha be a chaplain there, <clears throat> is the beginning of the postmodern period. There was this rejection, okay, of man's reason and, and his ability uh, to solve man's problems. We create problems. We just figure out how to take bombs and blow people up, not clear out land and make bridges and things like that. And so this, this next period that was short-lived that we've already moved out of, that I'll tell you here in a minute, is what has been known as post-modernity. Now that, that phrase was coined many years ago by a guy named uh, Sir uh, Lord Toynbee back in the early 40s. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, used this term a bit. But the post-modern is uh, post-modern in that... Uh, People rejected the idea that science can solve our problems. That we're reasonable people. And that there's any kind of truth really that's out there to know. And so if you're under the age of 40 years old, you've grown up in swam, is that the right word? Swam? Okay, I don't know. Dove into. <laughs> uh, the waters of... Um, relativity. Okay, everything's relative. Who knows? Who's to say? Who's the expert? Is it the socialist? Is it the capitalist? Who knows? And so the net effect is what has 
been happening for the last 30 years. And I never forget, I lectured on this or spoke at General Assembly in 96 on postmodernism. And this gentleman came up to me and said, that won't last long. There's going to be a new era. I'm going to tell you what the era is here in a moment. But let me tell you where if you've grown up and you're under the age of 40, you kind of create your own reality. And so you go down in your basement and you have video uh, games where you have fantasy games. Now, I'm, I'm not knocking that. I mean, if I liked it, I'd probably go down there and play fantasy games. I just don't... I'd rather lift weights and run. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Do manly things. Uh, but, but no, seriously. You, you create... Your own reality. It's, it's weird. And, and so, and now we have reality shows. Because we don't have any reality in our lives. Because everything's relative. Who cares what you think? You come up with an idea. Well, everything's relative. And so, the reality is that relativity can't hold its water. It can't keep. And so, what has happened is that we have now moved into this new era that I had been seeing for like 15 years but didn't want to talk about because it sounds esoteric. And that is the, the new spirituality. Okay, and it's packaged in all kind of ways, but it is a spirituality that really promises once again that we are spiritual beings and we can become one with each other as we become one with the earth. And, it's, uh, and it, it promises hope. And, and so the new spirituality, let me tell you what it is. It's the old paganism. So, so I'm, I'm, you're going, man, this is really strange. Well, I'm going to ask you some questions here in a minute before I go to our text to, to see if I'm really strange. But we've moved from modernity, reason, rationality, to experiential, this is what I feel. We've turned Christianity into this. Right? As long as you enjoy the music, then you worship. No, that's not true. Matter of fact, when Moses came off the mountain, and they were all singing and having a great time, worshiping Baal that they called Jehovah, it was that they were having a blast. And judgment came. So, so now we've moved uh, from kind of the postmodern, you know, feel things through to, wait a minute, I want to be connected. And it's called neo-paganism. Now, let me tell you what paganism is. Can I explain to you paganism? It's not the K.A. that drinks a lot of beer before Georgia game or throws up on you at a, at a Georgia game. It's not the people who are fornicators or the pagans. The word pagano is a Latin word that means of the earth. Not transcendent. Of the earth. And so what the word became among Christians was, uh, oh, they are paganos, which meant these people are of the earth, which eventually meant they are of the other king's army. So we are, we are children of the king of the universe who've been redeemed and purchased. And we are as believers with our minds and our hearts and our souls and our bodies to bring everything captive 
to Christ to reestablish his kingdom in this world. And guess what? Uh, we have let it slip by. Now, I'm not a doomsayer. But let me tell you the tipping point was this summer when if you didn't believe what the courts had decided, then you're an intolerant person. So, so now there's this new cosmology, and you need to listen to this. And, and please, I hope you understand this. The new cosmology is the hatred of anything that suggests their distinctions. You got that? That there is a creator and he is the triune God. That our God is the creator. That's why we say the Apostles' Creed every Sunday and you and I are not the creator. But this one God is in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have the one and we have the, the distinction within the Godhead. We're distinct from God that we're the creatures. But you know what? God made us male and female. Equal. But different. We can't talk about that anymore. We can't use words like masculinity or femininity because those are metaphysical ideas that once you use them, this post-secular neo-pagan world says that believes in the oneness says no. Because then you are accountable to be a feminine or a masculine person. Now, I, this is all introductory work. I guess y'all figured that out, right? And uh, since we're a little late, I'm not going to get very far. But I, I want to I ke- keep on this point here, okay? So, so I want y'all to know, I want everybody here, especially if you're not a Christian today and you're coming to Redeemer for the first time, okay? And you say, yeah, somebody invited me to come. I want all of you to know and Christians to know, I do not want to do the culture wars thing. I think, it's, I think, frankly, that what we've got to be as Christians in the future is not kind of take back America. I believe in voting and all that stuff. And I don't want to lose some of you who are conservative types. I'm, a, I'm an orthodox guy. But I believe this is our opportunity since I think we as Christians quit making sacrifices because we quit giving ourselves to the king and became just like pagans who love the stuff, who love the excitement. And our music can be just as good as they do over here at the 40 White Club. Yada, yada, yada. And not giving our money. And not tithe. And not prayed about the abortion issue or whatever they may be that we've just so slid so far away that we've become just like the world. So do you understand, I don't want to do culture wars. And if you're not a Christian here today, please keep coming back because I want you to know the creator and redeemer of the universe. Now, if you think, well, this is a little bit esoteric. Um, I want to ask you some questions. Then I'll read our text and then we'll come to communion. It's, uh, it's what I call the Christian, post-Christian, neo-pagan test. Y'all ready for the test? Okay, you don't have to write these down. You just, you just have to go, ooh, ooh. I did say that. If you have ever said, I'm not into religion, but I'm a spiritual person. 
You just might be a neo-pagan. If you've ever said, I'm not in the church. I don't do the church thing. But I'm a Christian. You're probably a neo-pagan. If you've ever said, well, I like Jesus, I just don't like his people, then you're probably a neo-pagan. And if you've ever said, I'm not into creeds, but I'm into Christ. I'm not part of a denomination. I'm non-denomination. Now, understand to a certain extent, that's a, you know, what people mean, that I'm not this or that and the other. But you certainly wouldn't want to define yourself as something that you're not. That's our culture. You've been duped. But every Sunday morning, we did it this morning, we say an ancient creed called the Apostles' Creed because these very ideas were seeping into the church because the same ones that are there today were there then. Do you all understand that? And so when we get together on Sunday morning, we're not just saying the Apostles' Creed to fill a little time till the preacher gets up. We are declaring that our God is the creator of all things. And until you understand that, you will never repent of your lack of stewardship and your sin against this creator through our sexual sin and through our not using our gifts, through our sitting in the basement wasting our whole lives away on fantasy games. Through reading books, and it's my understanding that massive amounts of Christians are reading Shades of Grey. Or is that it? Colors? It's just like... (laughs) Guys, where's the repentance? Why do you think you're... Is it possible that you're a pagan and not a Christian? Well, our psalmist, and the reason I chose Psalm 121 to get us kicked off, and yes, I'll be in Genesis soon, but I'm going to do Romans 1 next week, and then I'll do Genesis 1. So come back for Romans 1. But our psalmist understood this. Because you see, you've got to understand that the Jews were God's people that were called out, that he revealed himself from the mountain. And everybody that they dealt with, the Canaanites, were those who worshipped the mountain. You got that? And so listen to what the psalmist says. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He, will keep, he who keeps you will also will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil, and he will keep your life. And the Lord will keep you from going out, and you're going in from this time forth and forevermore. I've just read God's word. I feel like I need to pray. Let's pray. Lord, bless this time in your word. Help us understand who you are, the true and living God. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Okay, I've been doing the 30,000 foot thing. Would y'all all agree with that? Uh, you know, the thing I love about my iPhone is I can do that zoom in and zoom out thing, right? You whoop, and you see America 
And you go, you keep doing it down, and I can see the roof of my house. Okay, so I've been doing America. I've been doing Christendom. But I want to beam this thing down to where you are and get it out of the esoteric and get it on your rooftop. It's to where you really are. Because you see, I'm going to tell you, you have a cosmology. You have a theology. It's either good or bad. But the fact of the matter is, whatever your view of reality is, whether you're an evangelical Christian or a Reformed Presbyterian or whether you're a Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or non-denominational or whatever you describe yourself, Maybe we have those who are here today who are from uh, Buddhist backgrounds or what? It doesn't matter. You're secularist, you're humanist, you're an agnostic, whatever you may be. You know what? We all live life together, don't we? We we all have to worry about what's going on in the Middle East. We all have to worry about how we're going to pay our bills. We all buy the same gasoline. We all worry about whether the stock market's going to keep going down. Can I take care of my wife? Can I take care of my little ones? And so we live life together. And uh, though this world, in many ways, you're freshmen, you college students, you go, man, I'm excited. There's a lot to be excited about. Get married and have a family or, you know, to have a career, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and certainly, uh, the biblical view is to be no killjoy, that we dance when it's time to dance and mourn when it's time to mourn. But, <clears throat> but we live in a world that can be scary. I mean, things can happen in a moment. And then it doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim or a Christian or whether you're a Roman Catholic or, or whether you're an atheist. All of a sudden, life comes at you and you are reeling with the reality that things have changed. And I'm going to tell you, if you've never had any kind of sense of doubt or suffering, maybe you've grown up in Christian faith, you believe in Jesus and all that, well, it's probably because you're young. And you haven't hit certain realities of life. We were reminded of this uh, Monday. We laid to, we laid to rest uh, little Chase uh, Duggan. Very hard to do a funeral of an infant. Because here we are by the graveside. And I'm supposed to bring comfort to this family. But it was God's will that little Chase glorify him for all of eternity in heaven and not here while his brother Cole is fine. And the Christian says, I don't understand why, but I know you're God and I'm not. Now let me give you another view of a gentleman named Martin Heidegger, a German existentialist philosopher uh, before the Nazis uh, period in the early 1930s. He used the term Datsang for his life and all of us, which means to be thrown into. That, that by some sheer accident, you are thrown into a world in a universe that all it is is an accident. Now, which cosmology had you rather have? But the fact of the matter is, everybody here this morning, male or female, young or old, has a way that you're trying to come at life. And that's exactly what the psalmist is talking about.
So you have King, uh, the, 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 this is a psalm, psalm of ascent. And it was a dangerous journey. He's on a pilgrimage. These psalms of ascent, uh, 118 uh, all the way to 139, I can't remember exactly. But they're, they're, they were songs that they used to sing as the community of believers. But it was a dangerous journey. And so here's the psalmist, and he's saying, I need help. Anybody here need help? And he says, from whence shall my help come? Does my help come from the hills? Well, you see, if you're a pagan, that's exactly the way they think. And you go, well, what do you mean by being a pagan? Well, let me ask you this. When you look to the hills and life is getting out of control, uh, do you look to the hills for gold? I mean, gold comes out of the mountains. Uh, Maybe you're looking for the person that you proposed to on the mountain. The the man that was going to be the man of your dreams. And he took you up to Mount Pisgah and, and he proposed to you. Only to find out he's not exactly that man you thought he was. Or maybe you look, uh, you have cancer now. Or you have something that's going on. And so you look to the mountains because you see it's in the earth that we find medications. Which are good things because they're gifts of God. They're the created thing that God gives to us to get better. But when you trust in those things, they will not satisfy Let me tell you, I really believe, I believe in medication. I do, because I, I, I know that what's happening right now in our culture is people are having panic attacks, and, and uh, people are coming apart. Matter of fact, the word in, in, in the Hebrew, when it talks about how I'm undone, it means you're literally being frayed apart. And so I, I certainly believe, and I've often told people, you need to go see a psychiatrist or a counselor, and it, you know what? Until you can calm your brain down, you can't really even think theologically. I have no problem with that. But how many of you have become, come to the point where you're trusting in those things created to solve your problems? And in reality, they're exacerbating your problems. Well, some of us as Christians think, well, you know, um, and I'm a Christian now, my life will be good. I be- you know, I became a Christian this summer. I went to church camp or young life camp and, and uh, th- life's going to be good. And that maybe if you've been li- kind of living that way, that you think that's what the Christian life is and it gets really, really harder and harder and harder. You know, the good news news is the Bible never teaches that. Because the psalmist is saying, I need help. Okay, now, just a couple of more things, and then we come to communion. Now, if you're savvy at all, if you're halfway thinking, you're going, okay, well, he's making all these promises here. You know, what are the promises that we find? Well, we see in verses 3 and following, he's not going to let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never slumber or sleep. The Lord's your keeper. The Lord's your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night. Now, the first thing when I read that, and it says he will not let your foot uh, be moved, well, my wife had foot surgery a year and a half ago. So not only has her foot been moved, just kind of had bolts and all that kind of stuff tightening it down. So you look at these things, things, but, but I have stumbled. 
I have fallen. And then, and then verse 3 says, uh, I mean, verse 4 says, he says that he'll keep you because he never slumbers or sleep. You see that? Never slumbers or sleep. You know what? You're going, wait a minute. I feel like God is completely asleep at the switch in my life. I haven't experienced him in forever. And it seems like any time I really want to move toward him, he never reveals himself. Uh, he doesn't show up. Now, how many of y'all feel that way right now? Yeah, pastor, tell me he never slumbers or sleep. Yeah, right. Well, let me tell you what. The reason I chose that text in, in, in Mark chapter uh, Mark chapter 4 is because here is the king of the universe on that boat and in the middle of that storm, that's exactly what his disciples said. You are asleep and you don't even care if we drown. Do you feel that way? So what does this mean to you? It says that he, that he will not let the sun smite you by night or, nor the moon uh, at, at night. Well, you're going, but man, I've been serving the Lord. Man, I just feel weary. I'm so tired. I, I don't have anything to give anymore. And then what's very interesting here is that actually the, the lunar idea, have you ever heard the term lunatic? It's talking about the, the, the light of the moon, that things go bump in the night when the full moon. And yet some of you are going, man, I'm struggling with mental illness. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with anxiety. And I've been struggling with this, and I've been asking God, God, would you please help me? There's no answer. Now, let me tell you, here's the danger. It's at this point that you want to go to all the uh, priests of the hills, Madison Avenue, and Dr. So-and-so, who's going to solve your problem, your back problem. Or Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Oh, I'll go there and my marriage will get straightened out. Uh-uh. Uh, people have been here, and I, they've been here many years, and they finally just say, we're done. Happens. Why? Because in a sense, they're not looking beyond the hills and all these wonderful things that God has given us. Uh, they're looking to the hills, but they're not looking to the one who created the hills. You see, that's the danger that's there. And now we're moving in a culture that's saying there is no transcendent God out there. Do you understand the problem? Well, so what is the solution? And I have to close with this. Well, notice in understanding what God is promising, you see in two verses. Can I show them to you and then we'll worship? I mean, then we'll come to communion. Look at verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil and he will keep your life. You see, the promise of the psalm and both Hebrews and Christians have always read it this way is not that we shall never stub our toe but that no injury or no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. That is, we'll be able to separate us from God's purposes in us. That's a quote by Eugene Peterson. To put it another way, well, you remember when we looked at the Lord's Prayer and it says, uh, the Lord, uh, 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 lead us not into temptation. Well, well, here's remember what we said about it. It's very important. That trials are going to come. It can, they came to Jesus. They're going to come to you. But the, but the promise is this. If you don't think the promise, then let me tell you what, you'll give in to those temptations and you'll curse God. 
And you'll say, he's not there. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to go right to pornography. You're going to go right to sexual immorality. You're going to go right to medications and alcohol and, and tobacco and whatever it is. And they don't satisfy. And then you just find yourself weeks later in a worse place because you didn't look to him. You looked at all that created stuff. And then finally, notice what he says. Here's this great promise to us as believers. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Look, Christians, let me say this to, before you, to all you who are not Christians here. We do eat the same food. We live the same lives. We get the same diseases. Our finances go south just like the pagans. Our marriages are difficult. But the difference is this, that God, if you are in Christ, is governing everything in your life, even if it's difficult. That even though there's a hard providence, there is a gracious and good God behind that providence. And he will care for you. The text says he knows you're going out and you're coming in. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Can I tell you why? Because in that New Testament lesson that we, that we read, you know that New Testament lesson? Was that true? Is the cosmology that Jesus Christ is really God? And that the eternal son became born of a virgin to be both the God-man, to be our God and our Savior? And when he's on that boat and it's all out of control, that he gets on that boat and he tells the, the storm to calm. And it does, doesn't it? And then they said, whoa, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And let me tell you, that's not where the story stops because it's really a, a parallel to Jonah and the whale. You remember Jonah disobeyed God, so he got thrown in the ocean. It saved everybody on the boat. But Jonah, by God's grace, was swallowed up. But let me tell you what the ocean always represents. It always represents chaos. Now, what do you think was easier for Jesus to do? As God says, stop, be still, and it was still, or to jump into the ocean of our sin and the chaos, to calm our greatest problem, and that is this, that we have sinned against this transcendent God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But my dear friends, if we're going to move away from this true and living God and believe the lie that's been going on for thousands of years, that you can just stay modeled up in the yin and the yang, you will perish in your sin. You must repent, and I must repent, that we are not stewards of what God has given us. And he has purchased you, if you're a Christian, with his blood not to be a pagan, but to give your money and your life for him, to quit waiting on your husband or your wife to change before you're going to like them, but to lay your life down. You know why the world's become pagans? Because we as Christians have not been very Christian. May God work in our lives. Dagmar, I'm glad that you're a Christian. I'm glad he has saved that boy. May God have mercy upon your soul. Let's pray.